This episode of Health by Design is brought to you by vegetables. They're good for you, but ain't no freaking buddy trying to market them, and there's no trademark diet really to try to sell you to make them look sexy. So eat your vegetables and start living stronger, longer, and better today. Looking to live stronger, longer, and better? Then welcome to Health by Design, hosted by leading healthy living expert and wellness architect, Roar Alexander. After years of traveling and studying around the world, Roar combines his decades of Western health and fitness knowledge with the many time-driven traditions and secrets of the ancient East to bring you only the best in cutting-edge information and special guest interviews that will have you feeling great, losing weight, and finally grabbing a hold of everything you want out of life. So if you're ready to take control of your body, health, and mind, then it's time for Health by Design. Guess who's back? Back again. Yes, I'm back. Tell your friends. Hey, welcome, friends, to my Health by Design podcast, a show that's been specifically designed to help you live stronger, longer, and better, and I'll just say it, in a world that doesn't care whether you do or not, but I care, and this podcast is my way of helping you sharing much of the same information that I use for myself and my clients, and I try to take it down to its simplest and easiest and most actionable steps to fit any lifestyle no matter how busy or on the go you are. And I hope that myself and my dynamic range of amazing guests will help you do just that. So if it sounds good to you and you're thinking you might be, this might just be your time to start living stronger, longer, and of course, better, then don't forget to subscribe and even better, share this podcast with others you think would like to do the same. Now, as I said at the beginning, I am back I know I've been away for a while. Just, um, it's, you know, I've been working. You, you may not know this, but I've actually been working a lot on YouTube. So if you go to YouTube, you'll see uh, a lot more videos there. I've been putting a lot more emphasis lately on YouTube uh, and as well as doing some, uh, just basically trying to dial in my social media, uh, just trying to make everything kind of work better together. I want the podcast, the YouTube, and Instagram to work better. And I'm not just putting up, you know, pictures of stupidity on Instagram. I try to always, I basically, I try, I'm trying to treat Instagram like a mini blog. So if you haven't checked out my Instagram, you'll just go to at Roar Alexander and check that out. Um, I'm trying to do, yeah, like I said, lots of mini blogs and I'm trying to really tie it into episodes. So I think I'll be doing a couple posts on today's topic, which by the way, is called uh, my top takeaways from living in Asia. Um, so that, that's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm going to try to make some posts that tie in there. Um, I'll probably have some video at some point that's going to tie in with that. But lately on YouTube, I'm focusing a lot more on just, you know, trying to share stuff like designing better environments, um, designing a better home to help you lose weight, uh, talking about exercise, talking about a neat non-exercise activity, thermogenesis, nutrition, everything. So make sure you guys go and check that out. Again, you can just find it at uh, Roar Alexander. Everything is just Roar Alexander. That's not R-O-A-R. It's not a lion. Get this. It's R-O-R Alexander. Now, where we're on the topic... I, there's another thing I've been working on is I would really like to introduce you uh, or tell you about, I should say, not introduce you, but I should like to tell you about my all new on demand start to live stronger, longer and better today and for life health and fitness masterclass. I've been working on this for a while and I'm super excited to finally get it out there. Um, it's delivered right to your email inbox and no, uh, there's no, I really don't like these webinars. We need to download a bunch of software. There's no software needed. 
Uh, no Zoom, nothing like that. No booking your time slot. Uh, none of that nonsense. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to tell you what time. I'm not going to be like that fake. Because you know, all these things are all video, right? Like, you know, these these, these master classes, these, um, they don't even call it, they call them webinars. You know, they're, they're all pre-recorded. Uh, they just use this fancy, expensive software to make you feel like you're there live. You know, it'll say, oh, four o'clock, join me. Well, you're not joining anybody. There's nobody there. It's just a YouTube with a with, with kind of a more a more confusing software you got to download and you have to be there a certain time and quite often you can't even pause these things to go back and watch them later so definitely not going to do that uh, with mine you can pause it you can come back to it many times you want you can rewind it you can fast forward it I, I don't care just what I want you to do is what I do care about is that you watch it because in it I go over all my top coaching areas I use with my coaching clients uh, we talk about you know I talk about the kind of nutrition uh, physical activity, exercise, sleep, stress, and time planning work that I do with my clients. I talk about it in there. So if you're interested in it, uh, you might be saying, how do I get it? Well, it's easy. Just again, go to www.roaralexander. Again, that's just my name, roaralexander.com slash VIP. So super easy. Get it today. Uh, and now let's get on to today's episode of Health by Design. And I'd like to start by talking about my story. Uh, some of you may not know my story. I won't spend a long time on it because some of you do know it. But basically, you know, I've been in the fitness and nutrition industry here in, um, you know, Canada for a long time. And at a point many, many years ago, um, I was just kind of tired of it. Um, not, not, not tired of health, but just tired of, I guess, the way I viewed it and the way that most people viewed it. You know, I was working in gyms, you know, telling people they had to work out five, six days a week, whatever, uh, putting them through these crazy workouts. You know, I started off at your traditional gyms, moved into, got involved in, a, a long story short, got involved into the CrossFit sort of thing, you know. So I actually did teach some CrossFit in Asia um, because that, that's what I knew at the time, right? So I kind of bummed over to Asia, started working off first in Hong Kong, uh, ended up in um, from Hong Kong, went into Taiwan and Taipei, uh, lived and worked in Taipei for a while, then bumped over to Indonesia. Um, all the time teaching some fitness, but at the same time doing a lot of learning. That's really what I want to do. I wanted to learn because I knew there had to be more out there than, you know, protein shakes, uh, you know, Body Energy Club smoothies, which is a big nutrition store here in Vancouver, and, uh, you know, CrossFit uh, five, six days a week, being you know, what they used to call a fire breather. I don't know if they call that anymore. But that That's kind of where I did. So I lived and I spent a lot of time in Asia, and I learned... Um, you know, I learned about different sports. Uh, I learned about just different ways of living, you know, uh, uh, food, uh, the way you spend time, just, just everything. It's very different. Really, really had my eyes open in so many ways. Now, I don't want you to think at the same time, I just, uh, I, you know, I went to Asia and then I came back. It's not that black and white. Um, I still spend, not, not 2020, obviously, but um, at least not, I was there in February, but I Go back to Asia a lot. Thailand, uh, Philippines. Uh, just last year in October, uh, I was in India again. Um, been in India now a couple times. Uh, and my future plans uh, really are to, and we have my five-year uh, goals on this board behind me. Uh, you can't see it, obviously, because you're listening. But behind me is our five-year goals. And that is to be at least part-time living in Asia, doing a lot of traveling uh, and getting again, get, again, I should say, engaging in more learning. I'm, I'm a student of learning. 
So I want to go to India, you know, and I want to do more yoga. Um, I want to start learning and getting more involved in Qigong. Um, I want to get more involved in Ayurvedic training and I want to do more feng shui courses. And so, you know, I do plan on doing a lot more learning, but my best learning, I do a lot of learning through experience. So my future goals is to spend a lot more time in Asia. Um, normally every year I go to Asia at least three times a year. 2020 has only been once. I was supposed to go again, actually, this web. Supposed to be there right now as we speak. It was supposed to be this weekend. We made plans for it quite a while ago, but obviously with COVID, you know, who, you just can't go anywhere because the rules change every day. You book a flight, your country says they're open. A week later, they're closed again. So just 2020 is pretty much a traveling, unfortunately, a traveling write-off. But we'll see what happens down the road. Um, you know, whatever it is, what it is, nothing I can do about it right now. I'm sure things will normalize. So until then, I, like I said, I did spend a long time, pretty much seven years for the most part, uh, full-time in Asia and lots part-time. So what I want to talk about today is my top takeaways um, from living in Asia. Now, the first three... Um, involve food and eating because I learned so much and like I didn't go to I'm not talking about going to cooking school I didn't go to classes I just learned and discovered a whole new mindset on eating the, and, and a new mindset on the values of food um, I got you know back when I lived in Vancouver many years ago many moons you know when I was doing like the, the good life you know that I was doing the low carb thing back in the day I mean, we're talking in the night, like Atkins stuff, right? So I was kind of involved in that, taking MCT oils. This is this is a long time ago for this whole ketogenic, uh, I'm just going to call it shit, started popping up all over again. Um, you know, I was doing the MCT oils back when I was a teenager. So uh, at least in my 20s anyway. Um, so yeah, I just, I learned so much from people who know so little about the science of food. So that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about how much I learned from people who know so little. So let's jump into this. So the first one is simply serving sizes and meal times, right? We we talk, you know we know about this, but you don't you know about it, but you don't because if we did, if we actually took the stuff that I'm going to talk about today into our lives on a normal basis. We wouldn't have the obesity and the chronic illness issues we have today. That's, that's just a fact. You go to Asia, there's less obesity, less overweight. Fact, fact. It's not because of their genetics, because you have Asians over here that are born here. They are just as overweight, right? There are studies and studies where they take people out of all these different tribes, you know, that are untouched by Western culture, drop them over here, you know, drop them somewhere, they gain weight. And we can see even in Asia that weight is starting to significantly rise. Countries like Malaysia, you know, has a very high uh, overweight and they're getting to a very high obesity rate. And again, all comes down to this Western style of eating that's quite frankly fucking the world. So the, one of the first, you know, the first things I learned is there's no trends, there's no fads. Nobody does keto. Nobody does carnivore Nobody really does vegan like, like obviously, you know, in India, you know, you got some vegetarian places. I was in Rishikesh, you know, it's all vegetarian there, but they don't do it in like lame ways. You say, like when my wife came over here, because she moved over here from Thailand last December and she started working in a gym with me at that time because we were working in a gym a little bit together. She was teaching yoga and I was kind of running it. And the first thing she said to me is like, what's with all these people in this gym? 
like on all these weird diets. Like they all have some kind of name for their diet. And I said, I don't know. I said, you know, I took her the, the, the magazine, you know, the uh, Walmart here. Showed her the magazine rack. There's Vegan Times and the Keto Magazine and Paleo Trends Magazine. It just, it's ridiculous, right? So they don't do anything trendy or fatty. But what do they do? Is they just control their meal sizes. They control their calories naturally. Everything is um, measured out to a point. And I don't mean they're getting out digital food scales, but when you go to like when you go to basically have uh, lunch anywhere, and you get the rice, what they do is they take the rice. They have this huge pot of rice, and they plop it on average just into this little bowl, a very small bowl, by the way, something that you would consider a kid's bowl over here. Um, definitely not a normal bowl. And they fill it with rice and they plop it upside down on your plate. You know, if you go to a Malaysian restaurant or a Thai restaurant, you'll see things like this. And that's basically a measured out. It's kind of like a cup of measured out carbs and then rice, I should say. And then beside it, you know, you got your vegetables. They you know, put a bunch of vegetables around it and then some meat. And you're not getting, you know, eight ounce or, you know, 12 ounce steaks, you know, and things like that. You're getting, a, there's a quarter chicken. You're getting some shrimps. Um, you're just getting your food portion controlled naturally. All the plates there. Anytime you go to a restaurant there, the plates are basically these nine inch little white plastic plates. That's what you get a lot. In Asia, the traditional plate sizing is about nine inches round, which is what ours used to be until the late 60s. Now the average plate size in North America is 11 inches inside and 13 inches in restaurants, meaning up to 30 to 40% more calories can fit on your plate. So... That was a big one. The next thing is meal times. They they just their meal times are it's like you can count it by the clock. Breakfast is usually around 7 30, 8 a.m. Then around 12 o'clock, everybody in the streets pile out after all their different street foods. And 12 o'clock is lunch and six o'clock is dinner. You know, maybe, maybe seven o'clock. But for the most part, it's breakfast, lunch, dinner, done. Right? There's not a big emphasis on snacking, okay? There's not, there's not a snack culture. You, we rarely ever had snacks over here. We had breakfast, and then we'd have lunch, and then we'd have dinner, and that was really it. Now, another thing that's really interesting, um, and again, this varies from, from different Asian countries, but living in, all just, you know, living in Thailand, for the most part, uh, as we're all talking about, we did not have breakfast foods right a lot of the a lot of the world finds the idea of breakfast foods kind of strange like in north america we think breakfast okay usually breakfast is bacon eggs toast um if you're more health conscious let's say or you kind of think you're more health conscious let's see you got oatmeal uh we think cereal you know you have those sorts of things for breakfast you don't have bacon and eggs for dinner that's that scene is kind of weird right you bacon and eggs for dinner or pancakes pancakes are good one right pancakes are breakfast food you don't eat those the rest of the day waffles stuff like that well they don't do that over there you have the same meal for breakfast as you'll have for lunch or have for dinner or the same style of meal so one of my favorite breakfasts which was also one of my favorite lunches or my favorite dinners in thailand was this um ground pork it was a, it was a rice in the middle of the plate 
with ground pork on top of it. Uh, and in that they had some, you know, it was deep fried, well, not deep fried, but it was fried in a, you know, big wok with chilies, onion, uh, and mint. And absolutely delicious. Loved it. And that's what you have for breakfast. So you're having hot chili peppers, you know, and fresh herbs for breakfast. Now, you, you weren't having Pop-Tarts. It wasn't cereal. It wasn't pancake time. They didn't have those sorts of things. Literally the same stuff that you, you would buy. Something you buy your breakfast and lunch at the same time. You take the lunch with you. It was the exact same food. So one of the first, one of the biggest things I learned, you know, kind of just realize is, hey, you know, we don't have to have just breakfast foods. And since then, I've come back and sometimes quite often, um, even now, because like I said, my wife's Thai, we have, we'll have, you know, like stewed pork for breakfast or we'll have that, we have chilies almost every day at breakfast. We had spicy beef salad the other day at breakfast. Like, not many people have, you know, a spicy chili, onion, celery, um, you know, kind of vinegary based, hot, spicy, sour salad for breakfast time, you know, but we do. So that was a, you know, it was something like really big that I brought back with me. And quite often I'll also have just leftovers. You know, if I make a roast beef dinner and some carrots, that'll be my breakfast the next day. You know, I don't say, okay, well, I just got to wait till lunch. No, if I don't have anything for breakfast plan, then that could be my breakfast. Another thing was that, you know, all the meals are made with fresh foods. You know, they're very high nutrient. Now that's not to say that everything was cooked really healthy, right? Most meals over there, they're fried in woks and just cheap vegetable or just cheap cheap oils a lot. They, don't get me wrong. They're not over there cooking foods in virgin, extra virgin coconut oil. They could. They got a lot of coconuts. They're just everywhere, but they don't, right? So the foods necessarily aren't prepared um, the healthiest way. Not all foods anyway. They do have a lot of fried, but all the meals are high in nutrients for the most part. You know, fresh rice, fresh seafood, fresh meat every day from the from the you know from the from the wet markets over there, uh, fresh vegetables and herbs. I think almost every meal we had had spices, cilantro, onions. Uh, every morning, there's a uh, you know on our street, we could either go off to the market, which is a couple blocks away, and we buy fresh food almost every day or every other day. Um, it's good, like living, you know, it's, I guess living like a hundred years ago, you just went to the market every day or you also had, uh, this woman who would push this big cart down the road full of vegetables. So, you know, she'd come by her house we'd get, you know, uh, the wife would go outside and she'd buy cilantro and she'd buy uh, purple yams and we would just have all this high nutrient, uh, foods just every single day. So, you know, and then of course I also, you know, help the wife just, I started teaching her a little bit more too about nutritional science, but for the most part, I leave her alone because she is a whiz in the kitchen. But every now and then I do try to sneak in, Hey, what if we just used some, you know, I've really got her on coconut oil. She uses extra virgin coconut oil now for all of her cooking, which is not something she used to do, um, back in Thailand. So serving sizes, meal timing, right. And just not getting into those fads. That's kind of the first, those are the first kind of big, that's my first big tip. Now, the next one is number two is eating together in Asia and many parts of the world, except for here, eating together is just something you do at lunchtime. The people would come out of the out of their work, you know, and they would all get together in their groups. Nobody ever ate alone. You didn't just go and eat and sit on the phone. Now, in fact, if you went to the, say, the, the food court in the mall, which again was still pretty good quality food. It's not like the food courts here. Okay. Um, 
The only people that would be sitting by themselves plucking away on their phone was the white people. That was it. That's just us Westerners. Us white-ass motherfuckers. Just sitting there, you know, watching our phone, sitting by ourselves, and just scarfing down food without thinking. All the rest were, you know, two people, three people, four people, even six people to a table. At the, at the, uh, the, the place I worked at in Thailand, right? Quite often, every, we'd all go out and have lunches together. At my home, we would sit all on the floor and we would just eat dinner together every single day. It's just something you do. You just eat together. It's, it's a social thing. It's a time to connect. It's not about mindless eating. I we rarely ever sat in front of the TV and ate. I would say 90% of our meals were usually downstairs. Um, and the TV was in my house in Thailand. It was up on the fourth floor. Uh, we'd sit on the bottom floor. And just sit on the floor there and just eat together. Sometimes we'd have music on in the background. And quite often, to be honest, um, there'd be a neighbor over. There'd be somebody over that would just be eating away with us, you know. So eating together is a really big one I'm taking back here. To getting away from that just mindless TV watching, scrolling eating is really important. Even today, you know, Damon sometimes, that's my son. You know, he'll say, you know, can I take the um, you know dinner and go watch TV? We're like, no, you sit at the table with us and eat. Then you can go watch TV right after. It's not a big deal. So eating together, very, very uh, important. Now, number three, that's my third tip, and this will kind of end, I believe, the, the food, is eating a wide variety of foods. I don't know what they say. I don't know exactly, so don't quote me on this, but they say on average in, you know, I, probably most places, but I know they say on average in, you know, the U.S., Canada, England, places like that, we tend to buy the same 30 things from the grocery store all the time. Um, so we tend to eat the same meals a lot again and again and again. And in Thailand, or just traveling through Asia, I should say, and only once in Thailand, but just traveling through Asia, so many varieties of foods, trying new things. And a lot of Asian cuisine, you know, Chinese cuisine, Indian cuisine, uh, Thai cuisine, it's all based on the spectrum, you know, of five flavors. You know, you got your salty, your fatty, whatever it is, your spicy, um, bitter. Uh, I forget what the other one is, but you have your spectrum of your five flavors. Sour, you know. So in Thai cooking, you know, and in at least proper Thai cooking, you get a bit of that. In Chinese, proper Chinese cooking, I'm not talking about the chicken balls you get at the food court here. In real Chinese cooking, especially if you get into, um, say, Chinese medicine cooking, right? Real emphasis on the different ingredients of what they do for the body. But, you know, we would enjoy all parts of the animals. I mean, you're eating intestines, kidneys, livers, heart, etc. Um, spices and fresh herbs. Uh, new flavors, you know, new veggies, new fruits out of star fruit over there. Um, rab, 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 was it rabutan? Um, you know, lychee. Just so many interesting new foods. Those little tiny Thai bananas, very different. Uh, one of the first things I did, actually, um, I guess, well, you know, one of the first foods that I can really recall. Now, I lived in Hong Kong and tried lots of different foods there. But when I lived in Hong Kong, I'll be honest, I was a little, I was a little bit culture shocked because I went there by myself. And if you know my story, I just, like I told you earlier, I got fed up with here. Just basically packed up, sold off my life here and moved off to Hong Kong with nowhere to live, nowhere to go and $1,000 in my pocket to one of the most expensive cities in the world. Made a go of it. Worked out. Long story short. But, you know, I, I tended to eat. Uh, you know, we went to McDonald's a lot because I was kind of familiar with it. And there was a, a couple of restaurants there where I 
just kind of ate more Western style. You know, I kind of, I saw foods, okay, that's pork chop with some rice or, you know, and so food choices, I didn't really get that interesting in Hong Kong. Now, don't get me wrong, I did have some different foods now and then. Um, you know, something like I think I tried first time ever I tried a Hong Kong pineapple bun was in Hong Kong. But one of the first times I really remember trying something that was really different. That I didn't even know what the label was. Is I was in Indonesia. I was in Jakarta. And I went to the grocery store and they had these loaves of green bread. Like bright green. And I didn't know what it was. I was like, okay, well, it's got to be green tea. Because that's the only ever thing I've ever seen in, in, in Canada was matcha. You know, matcha, whatever. But... So I bought this loaf of green bread and I tried it and I was like, well, this is so good. I didn't know what it was. So I said, you know, so I, cause the, in, and I believe the label was all in Indonesian. So I asked my friend, it turns out it's this, uh, a very traditional sort of, um, it does have traditionally medicinal values, but it's used now as a, a flavoring treat uh, in rice. So in, in dinner dishes, but a lot of desserts, particularly in Singapore and Thailand, and that's pandan absolutely delicious so tried pandan bread absolutely loved it and then from there that's when i started kind of going nuts and i just started trying everything i go off to some of the indonesian just food restaurants the ones that let's be honest most of the westerners look at and they're like no way i'm going there you know nothing's in english it looks sketchy as hell but i just started ordering this ordering that you know trying everything and go down and find some guy that just used to have barbecued saute and it's like oh the brown i don't know what that is get like, give me some so I just kind of went nuts on trying everything, you know. In Thailand, all my soups would have, you know, we go out for these soups and there's all a bit of intestines in it. Um, we ate a lot of organ foods, a lot of broths. Um, you know, and it made me realize that here in the West, we live in a very wonder bread culture, right? It's just bland. It's boring. The wife here, she, she just hates food here and i'll be honest i'm i'm now joining i used to be able to eat ham can't eat ham anymore it just tastes like salt nothing uh, i find a lot of meals here just really boring one of my favorite meals when we're hungry i was just like can you make some spicy pork or spicy beef salad i mean that thing is like i said before cilantro onion cucumber some vegetables i don't even know what they are I think she put some fish sauce in there. It's kind of like a vinegary fish sauce. It's just so good. And I, I just can't go back to just eating plain, dull, boring-ass meat and gravy anymore. I just can't do it. So one of the things that I designed, if you go to my website, you'll see it, is my shift principles. And one of the things I teach to my clients a lot is, you know, I said, we got to get more flavors in our food. We got, and you know, not just for the flavor but, you know, they have low calories. If you know how to use spices and herbs, they're low calories, they're high flavor. They also increase the nutrients of our food and they just make eating more enjoyable. And they, especially if you're eating healthy, right? Sometimes, sometimes if you're eating healthy and you don't know a lot about different foods, it can come difficult. So understanding how to use uh, my shift principles uh, is really important. And so what does shift, by the way? You might be going, what the, what the hell? What is, what is a shift he keeps talking about? It's just a, an acronym. It means spices, herbs, infusion, fragrance, and taste, you know? So I use spices in my food. And I mean, I put everything. I put chili pepper in my coffee. I got herbs. I talk, we talk, we'll throw leaves of pandan sometimes uh, into our rice. You know, infusions. My water. I love infused water or infusion coffees. Um, this guy used to buy in Thailand. He used to have a, um, it was a mocha green tea coffee. It was basically just had a, he'd give you an espresso shot with some green tea, a little bit of chocolate, 
uh, the, the hot chocolate I make, I call it a, you know, Mexican mocha, Mexican mocha or mastermind mocha, I call it sometimes. It's uh, coffee with chili pepper and real cocoa powder uh, and some cinnamon. Use a lot of cinnamon and stuff. Uh, I have a huge spice rack. Like before I moved to Asia, I was like, I was like, probably like you. Uh, maybe you listening. Was like, well, garlic pepper, uh, sorry, garlic powder, I should say. Black pepper, salt. You might have some cayenne pepper you never use. Um, Italian seasoning. And I, don't get me wrong, I still like Italian seasoning, but I get, you know, I got rosemary now. I got thyme. I got all the different ingredients by themselves. I make my own Mexican taco spice. I won't go buy those shitty ones anymore that are just full of salt and just sugar. I can make my own. I just looked very quickly. Just what do you do? How do I make Mexican taco spice? I make my own pumpkin spice. Um, so yeah, getting really into just flavors. It, it's just, it's so important that you just eat a wide variety of flavors and, you know, really get into enjoying the sours, enjoying the bitters, you know? Don't just stick with what we do here in the West, which is sweet. We only value sweet, salty, and what is it? Umami, fatty. You know, we got to get into the sour. You got to get into the bitter as well and start enjoying you know, lots of different parts of the animal, not just the, you know, the muscle meats. Um, there's so much nutrition, particularly in liver, uh, organ meats, you know, collagen comes from, you know, bone broth. So start getting into that stuff. And really, this is my challenge to you. Next time you go to the grocery store, buy two vegetables or two fruits that you've never tried before and just, just buy them. Don't even worry about it. Just buy it. Let's say, let's say you buy some jackfruit. Okay, fine. Buy some jackfruit. Go home. Open up YouTube, whatever, say, you know, how to eat jackfruit or what to do with jackfruit. And just look at it. It's very easy. We have the whole world at our fingertips now. So there's no reason you can't go buy something and then realize, you know, go home and study and how to use it. Um, so that gets me off food. Now, the next thing I learned, and this is so important and nobody talks about this, is the importance I learned to love and understand the importance of NEAT or non-activity, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Just the joy, just, just walking more, standing more, getting my steps in, uh, even sitting on the floor. In Asia, you do a lot of, especially in Hong Kong, right? Hong Kong, Taiwan, stuff, did a lot of walking, right? So even just the MRTs, you got to walk to the train. Because most times you don't have a car, you walk to the train. Quite often it's standing in the train. Uh, just a lot more walking. So they, they say on average, you know, we do about 45 to 4,800 steps, depending on U.S. and Canada. Let's round it off and say 46. Uh, many countries in Asia, there's Hong Kong, Japan, Korea. You're looking closer to the 7,000, right? You're in, you're in the high sixes and sevens. So just seeing the difference that non-activity exercise thermogenesis can make, but also sitting on the floor, my life now is about sitting on the floor. You may have seen my YouTube videos, you probably haven't, but if you have, I got at least two or three on designing a furniture-free or low-furniture home, right? Even right now, I record this at my standing desk. Uh, my living room has no furniture in it. I got, uh, you know, Zabuton, Zafus, different yoga mats I bought in India, different cushions we bought in um, Thailand, but we do a lot of sitting on the floor, right? Sitting on the floor is so much healthier for you too. You get into those different ranges of motion. You know, I, I wrote a blog called My Seven Sits. So go check that out. You got cross-legged, straight-legged, leg in, leg out, 90-90, you know. Um, you know, kneeling, you got one foot kneel. So many different ways in my mobility, especially being a six foot four white guy, because they would find that quite funny when I was in Thailand. 
you know, we'd go and even my um, wife's, you know, 60-year-old parents there can get down into a full deep squat uh, easily, just sit there and talk in squats. And I would be sitting, things cracking, and uh, I'd basically like go down, get up on my toes, fall over, you know, and everybody found it quite funny. But sitting on the floor has really helped. Not to say my mobility is awesome. Um, it takes a lot of work when you ignore mobility for the first, uh, you know, 35 years for most of your life um, and sitting in our chairs like we did in the West. It takes a lot of work to bring that back, but not using chairs has really helped me or just in, you know, taking more walks every morning. Even this morning, I took a morning walk, and even though it was cold here. I'm like, don't let the cold get in the way. Um, now, don't get me wrong. You know, um, I used to make a joke where in say in the West, we have an epidemic of obesity. In the East, quite often, you have an epidemic of weakness because they don't weight train at all. Even my wife was like, man, she was like, the ties, she says, ties, they just don't weight train at all. The exercise is growing over there. So imagine what you could do. And I've always, you know, they always talk about the, the blue zones and how the blue zones are such great examples of people who are, are saying healthy body weight, um, but don't go to the gym. But I'm like, imagine if you took all that neat, that non-exercise activity like thermogenesis for those people, but you also combined it with some exercise science. You, yeah, I'd be, I'd be a freaking study. I'll tell you that. Taking the blue zones people and throwing them into some gyms, getting some exercise going on with some real structured exercise, be pretty cool. So, you know, also learning just about movement practices. You know, like uh, non-sweaty movement. Not talking about more gym, but things like qigong, uh, yoga, yin yoga, tai chi, just. All that low-level physical activity makes such a big difference. And it's something that I bring to my clients. You know, the easiest way to do that is just by tracking steps. Just start to track your steps and um, see how that goes. I think you guys will find that it really does make a big difference. By now, I'm sure you've all heard of the amazing benefits of hitting the sun at least a couple times per week. From decreasing chronic stress, boosting muscle, increasing deep tissue and brain detoxification, improving sleep, relieving pain, and even helping you live longer. And that is quite the list and that's not even close to all the benefits. But there are huge differences in the quality of infrared saunas. Differences that can literally make the difference between getting healthier or getting sicker. I mean, do you really think you can hop onto Alibaba and order some cheap sauna from some untraceable factory in China and expect it to be solid quality? I think we all know the answer to that by now. And this is why I suggest in investing in only the best infrared sauna money can buy. And these are Radiant Health Saunas, a trusted Western Canadian home sauna brand. Founder Randy Gom has completed third-party comprehensive 100-point health testing on his saunas, covering everything from toxic chemicals and fumes to electronic radiations. He has even made sure there is zero off-gassing, zero toxins, equal heat distribution, and uses only pure Canadian hemlock wood with the absolute lowest near-zero EMFs possible. Clean, even heat, no toxins, nearly zero EMFs. 
and the one and two person models can be plugged right into your existing home wall outlets. Costs about only 40 cents to run for an entire hour and there's a model to fit any size space you currently have. Believe me, I did a lot of research into choosing the best infrared saunas for my clients, myself, and my family. And Radiant Health Saunas is the clear winner bar none. And this is one of the best investments you can make to your long-term health. Check them out at www.radianthealthsaunas.com. And then once you know which model you want, simply tell them Roar Alexander from the Health by Design podcast sent you, and you will save $500 off any wooden model. Yes, you heard me right. $500 off any wooden model of their top quality infrared saunas. And now with that said, let's get back to Health by Design. All right, so the next thing is number five. My point is that I learned was to, and I'm a bit of an ADHD, a little bit of a type A, and I learned just to take things slower and have more patience. Even on this podcast, I tend to want to talk like this, but got to just breathe and just take things a lot slower. And, and, and believe me, I'm not very good at it still. My wife is constantly, even this morning, literally taking my kid to school. She's like, she said to Damon, she goes, don't rush. She goes, let your dad rush. You don't rush. But for the most thing, especially in places like Thailand, things are just much slower. Now, Hong Kong, that's a different story. And honestly, I, I, I really, I, Hong Kong, I like to visit there, but I don't think I want to live there again. Uh, it's quite a bit different. It's it's very high paced there. But uh, even at finding places like Singapore, it just seems things are slower, a slower pace. You know, there's not that go, go, go uh, attitude. You know, I think that's kind of why I like the West Coast of Canada too. Now, that's not to say I'm not a go get. I do a lot of work. But just in general, I've managed to become a little bit slower in my personality. Um, and it kind of gets into the, my next point, which I'll be talking about in a minute. But, you know, take some breaths, you know, and just try to, I try not to rush when I can. Um, I've also learned to, you know, just get ready for things on time. You know, I don't like to be late. Um, so I'm always getting up that little bit extra early. Don't like to rush in the morning. I really do like to just take things. I don't know how to say it, but just learning to take things slower. Uh, so let's get me into number six as it kind of ties into that. And that is, you know, practicing meditation and having me time. Um, you know, I studied and practiced meditation in both India and in Thailand. In Thailand, even practiced with monks. In India, I went to a place literally called Meditation Valley outside of Bangalore, where I did meditation inside of a giant pyramid. But just having that time to slow down focusing for me i really like just the focusing on the breath there's a lot of different kinds of meditations out there uh there's mantra meditations there's you know closed eye there's open eye um there's guided meditations where you're listening to somebody but for me it's just about closing my eyes and just focusing on breathing for a little while now sometimes i'll put on some meditation kind of music uh, sometimes upon the, um, you know, the, uh, what is it, the aromatherapy in the summertime, well, I like to do outside. Sometimes we'll put on some incense sticks outside. But, you know, I built a little in my home now and with all my clients, I try to get them to build a little Zen zone in their home, a little meditation nook. Um, doesn't have to be big. Um, you don't need much space for it. I had a friend with a 350 square foot apartment and she still had a meditation area. These things don't have to be much, just a pillow on the floor, or maybe a couple, a plant, a little, maybe some essential oil if that's your thing. 
but you know, box breathing is great. And I do it in the car as well. You know, anytime I get stressed, anytime I start to get, you know, crazy because of my ADHD and my, you know, that kind of type A personality takes over, I just breathe in, hold, breathe out and trying to focus a lot more on uh, nasal breathing, nose breathing is something I've had a really hard time with. So learning to slow down, like I said, in 0.5 and also really learning the value and the benefits behind uh, meditation. Or if you don't like the word meditation because that sounds too woo-woo, then just breathing practices. I mean, box breathing's from the Navy SEALs. Those guys aren't woo-woo as far as I know. So, you know, they do it. So a lot of benefit to just taking some of that me time at nighttime, I'll have a bath. You know, I have a bath in my magnesium baths and quite often I'll just lay there and I just focus on my breathing. Uh, today, we're actually going to the sauna, looking really forward to that. The one that we go to actually has a meditation uh, a room in it. Uh, it's got a uh, Himalayan rock salt room where we just lay down. We're not sitting there with our you know legs crossed and sitting straight up. You were just lying there. We just lie on our backs or whatever and we just breathe and just enjoy it. Sit in the sauna, sit in the steam room. Um, you know, it's just great, you know, so really we try to do that at least once a month. We try to hit up the, the sauna, but every day, like I said, you know, I take a bath, uh, and where I just do some breathing and then just taking time throughout the day at any point I can just to do some, you know, mini meditation or just even just a few breaths for a few minutes. So that is points, uh, I guess five and six, like I said, they kind of blend into each other. Uh, a little bit different one is just taking things slower. Uh, personality wise uh, and just having more patience for things and just trying to not be in a rush to get to places by being more mindful of my times the second one is focusing on breathwork meditation and me time number seven uh, a real focus on mindful minimalism like I said before I have a lot less furniture but that's not what I'm talking about I'm not really sorry, but, but the things I have, everything I have in my house either serves a functional purpose or it serves a, um, I, don't, I don't know how else to say, it brings me joy, right? I got my, like right now I'm looking in front of me, I have my board with all my different passports I've had, with different pages with all the different places I've visited, you know, I can see my uh, Kingdom of Thailand work visa, uh, coins and bills I've got from different countries, there's China, there's the Philippines, uh, Indonesia, you know, I can see an Indian stamp, Malaysia stamp. There's my Chinese visa when I went to Guangzhou, uh, my Vietnam visa. What's this one up there? Uh, friendship bridge. I think that was for my visa run actually over to Laos. Um, so yeah, just, just, you know, oh, yeah, I got my Myanmar stamp up there, my Indian stamps, Vietnam, you know, just, just having just stuff that I really like, you know, I, and what really I started to really learn is that and, and to this day, I love to experience things. I don't care for owning things much, right? I got friends, you know, I don't play the, you know, I just bought a new car and it's not even new. It's a 2007, no, 2006 Jeep Liberty. It's a good condition, you know, but I don't get caught up in the, I have to have the new, it's Vancouver, especially it can be a rough place for this. If you if you get sucked into this stuff, right? Having the fancy car, the fancy clothes. I like to do things, you know, I'll see people like, oh yeah, I got a 50 inch curved LCD TV, 3D, um, 9.1 surround sound, two Playstations. 
I'm like, well, big fucking whoop. I was in India last October. You know, I was in Philippines in February. I was in Thailand in February. You know, I just, I like to experience stuff. You know, we love to take day trips for Thanksgiving Day. You know, we just, I, there's a town that I hadn't been to here, Steveston. We just drove down there, you know, even things like just going to the sun. I'm not saying you have to go out and travel and do things, but just going to the sun or go to this great place that has eight different saunas. I like to experience stuff. I'm not into owning things, you know. My house is very minimal and that's the way I like it. One thing you realize when you live in these places is that there's people are so, there's people that are just on the scale are just happier and in better moods when they have less. Some of the happiest people when we're just up in Isan. You know, where we're just up in the, the countries of Thailand. There are houses. They, these are not houses that one over here would consider, you know, that these are not houses that one works for over here, right? They have older pickup truck, no, no air conditioning a lot, or one room might have air conditioning, an old beat up fridge. Um, your kitchen is quite often just a gas stove, not even a gas, I don't even call it a stove. It's not even a stove or barbecue. It's just kind of a gas thing with a metal grill and then the fire just comes through you know we would make these little hot pots in a, in a ceramic pot but it was just nice you know you don't get caught up in that whole keeping up with the joneses thing so one of the biggest things i have for me is like i love the idea of traveling and i love to learn versus owning stuff i don't have um you know, I don't have, I don't get the newest iPhone. I do right now. I do. I should say, I do have an iPhone 11, but basically I get one about every three years, uh, only because the software is out. I still, to this day, I'm using, now I got to get a new one this year, my Mac, but I'm using a 2011 MacBook Pro, you know? I don't get the newest model. I know people that have a MacBook Pro or something like that every year. I just finally got this year a Mac desktop. I haven't had one of these in like 12 years, just because I need to do it for work. I'm actually recording this podcast while sitting up here at it. But I only buy things that are really functional to me or that are going to help me with my goals, right? I don't buy stuff just for the sake of owning. In fact, it's kind of a watch I want and I can't even, it's like part of me wants it, but part of me doesn't want it. I'm like, well, who uses a watch honestly anymore? And the wife has even offered to buy it for me. She said, I will buy you this watch. But I'm like, no, this is what I'll do. I'm going to wait one month. And if I'm still thinking about the watch and I'm go not only thinking about it, but if I can say, okay, I'm going to use its functions and I'm still, and I, I, at the end of the month, I just want it, then I will probably go get it. But I'm, I, you know, I could have very easily, she offered, she said, I'll buy it for you right now. This is like a week ago. She's like, I'll buy it for you right now. I said, no, let me think about it. Let me decide if I'm going to use it and if I really want it. Because to me, I would rather spend that money probably on a plane ticket once things open up. We're looking forward to getting back to Thailand, hopefully by next March. So we'll see what happens there. Number eight is the, and it kind of goes along, I guess, kind of with seven a bit, but it's the importance of your spaces, right? Here, we value the bigger spaces and all the luxuries that we have here. You know, things like Feng Shui, you know, we talk about, I've learned to understand and incorporate light, scent, um, the purpose of rooms, give more thought to where I live and how I live. You know, one of the reasons I would never live in Bangkok again is because of the air pollution, you know, the noise pollution and the air pollution. I would never go there again. I said, oh, my kid growing up with that. And I'm like, I don't want to eat healthy exercise, but be in that deep, toxic, polluted air every day. 
and more into I want we want to move into the mountains. If we do go back to Thailand, we plan on living near the beach, somewhere quieter, somewhere more set back. You know, I love the idea of nature design. I go visit the Thai temples. You know, all these different, even the Chinese temples. You know, they always have these courts in the middle with you know uh, gardens um, and trees. You know, nature design is huge in Singapore. Singapore is like one of the masters when it comes to biophilic design, really incorporating nature into the design of modern buildings. So, like I said, I, I studied the Feng Shui, I studied Indian Vastu, and I just really came to understand how deeply our spaces affect us, right? And when I speak, everything from the, the world, the, the West, the problems of the West, you know, they're very simple. We're surrounded by easy to access food. So I make sure that the food in my house is not easy to access snack foods. We're surrounded by, you know, it's easy to sit down, you know, lazy boys, couches. So I'm like, no, we're not going to have that. We are going to have a house that just passively yet actively promotes more movement. We sit on the floor. We have foam rollers. We have stretch tubes. You know, we have um, things that I stand on when I come home and I kick off my shoes. The, the value of your spaces is so important, right? Uh, I do, I talk about this, like how to set up your home to be healthy. I look at each room and I've, I'll go, okay, the bedroom has to be set up for that optimal sleep. That kitchen has to be designed to A, make me want to eat healthy, make me want to cook. I, I use good pots and pans. I use good ventilation. I use good lighting. We have fresh plants. We have fresh herbs growing, right? The importance of your personal spaces, even, even your work, you can set up your work to help you reach your health and fitness goals. So I've learned through, you know, through living in Bangkok and places I don't want to live, but at the same time, learning about the things that do help when it comes to our spaces. So that, that's a really big one is just how your environment affects you and how you can change your environment to help you reach your goals. Even my standing desk, right? Helps me stay more mobile, helps me get energy. I feel energized when I'm sitting at my desk and then I can push the button and it lowers down. I can sit on my Swiss chair for a bit if I need to relax. Then I stand back up again. I can get more work done by the aspects that my just my standing desk and the kind of seating I use bring to me. That's number eight is the understanding the importance of your environment. And then number nine is the final one is the, uh, the biggest thing, the biggest thing, you know, is learning to appreciate both sides of the world. I think a lot of racism and prejudice, honestly, would be solved by people traveling more. I mean, it's, I've lived, like I tell people, you know, I lived in the most, uh, I think I lived in the most Muslim, I guess the, the country with the most Muslims, which is Indonesia, Thailand, a Buddhist country, Indonesia, a Muslim country, uh, the Philippines, a heavy Christian country. And I enjoyed them all and I learned so much from each one. There are, you know, the issues that when I left Vancouver originally, there were so many things I don't like about Vancouver, but now I come back and I've learned to I love them. Like I love the big sidewalks. I love the fresh air. I love the water. I love seeing the mountains. Uh, in Thailand, I love the fact that, you know, you can basically do a lot there without permits and about a bunch of nonsense. Things there are nice and inexpensive. It's nice to just go sit in the sun. You know, when I get back there, I'm going to have, when I do eventually settle back there, for the most part, I'm going to have an outdoor gym. So there's aspects of Thailand that I now love. I love the just the different foods I can get. I love the way that we just go and eat all these different flavors all the time. And anytime we want, really. 
but you know, I learned the grass is always greener on the other side. And you know, a lot of people, they always think that th this next place is going to be great. I remember I left for Asia. I'm like, I'll never go back to Vancouver again. Well, here I'm in Vancouver. I'm like, and then I left Thailand. I'm like, oh man, I'm never going to go back to Thailand again. And I'm like, you know what? I really do want to spend a lot of time in Thailand. I'd love to go back to Taiwan too. Spend a good few weeks in Taiwan at least. I've learned, and this one word I really don't like is the tolerate. I've learned not to tolerate other cultures, but to appreciate other cultures. Like, I don't really like the word tolerate. Oh yeah, I can tolerate my Indian neighbors. I can tolerate those, those Chinese neighbors. I can tolerate, you know, the, you know. no, I appreciate them. I, I go out sometimes now and they're Indian neighbors. Sometimes they're cooking and I smell that curry in there. Now, now back when I was a teenager, I smelled the curry. I go, oh man, what is that? What is that Indian curry? Oh, gross. I love it now. Yeah, I go out there and I'm like, oh, that's fresh turmeric. Or oh, I know that's, you know, that's some star anise, you know? So I've really learned to appreciate it. I appreciate the different holidays. I appreciate the different religions. I appreciate the different aspects they bring, you know? And it really has helped me in you know figuring out some of the isms you know or the prejudices that even i had you know my wife is thai my child damon you know i'm like yeah, for me having him learn what he can about thailand and canada at the same time i want him to learn mandarin uh thai and english uh, i want to make sure that you know we don't let him forget uh you know he's got buddhist culture in him we teach him about meditation so all that stuff is really, really important. It's really helped me to appreciate different cultures and just expanded me to go and learn even more. So that's it, guys. That is my top tips I learned. Wow, we're at like almost an hour here. I'm trying to get these, by the way, I'm trying to get these podcasts down in about 30 minutes, but not going too well so far. We'll see what I can do. One of the reasons I don't bring out so many is because they end up being so long. So I'm really, if I can get them down to 30 minutes, I'll be happy. So I gotta see how I can edit these down a bit so I can bring you out more and give you lots of advice, but in a shorter time without feeling like I'm rushing you. I don't, there's no way I could have done this. I don't think this podcast today in, you know, 20 minutes, but I hope you guys enjoyed it. And I take you, I hope you take at least one, if not a lot more things from it. And if you didn't do it already, remember to tap that subscribe button so you don't miss any health by design episodes. Or if you're really, really, you know, if you're really cool, then toss me a five stars on the Apple podcast so I can get this podcast actually noticed from people. That'd be awesome. And if you're so inclined, remember to check out that 100% free masterclass at roaralexander.com slash VIP to learn a whole bunch of useful health and fitness stuff that you can take action on right away. And then finally, of course, if your time has come to get some professional help on your journey to living stronger, longer, and better, then go to my website and set up your free, no pressure, private coaching call with me at www.roaralexander.com slash free call. Believe me, I'm not about high pressure sales. Let's just chat and see if I can help you. I'm pretty sure I can. And until next time, remember, I'm here to help you live stronger, longer, and of course, a heck of a lot better. This has been the Health by Design podcast with Canada's leading healthy living expert and wellness architect, Roar Alexander. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe to Health by Design through your favorite podcast provider. And then don't forget to join me at www.roaralexander.com to stay up to date with my latest blogs, speaking events, and exclusive interviews with guests from all around the world. While you're there, be sure to check out my coaching options to help you on your own personal health journey, set up your free call, and together, let's see how I can help you starting today. And until next time, remember... I'm here to help you live stronger, longer, and as always, 
Werner. 